0: Amen. My family and I went to Gold Beach a couple of weeks ago. Had a terrific time. Loved every part of it. It was like 70 degrees. The air was clear. You can see here the Rogue River dumping into the Pacific Ocean, which made me feel close to home. saw the Rogue River there. Right on the right side of this jetty here, if you go there, you've got to see that because there's seals there playing in the water and catching fish. We just love to sit there and watch those seals. It was a terrific time. We loved, again, every aspect of the trip, even the the drive home which is kind of windy, as you remember, between Crescent City and Cave Junction. <laughs> can make you a little bit carsick at times. We stopped at Jedediah Smith State Park and uh, went to the grove in the back, Stout Grove, where The Return of the Jedi was filmed with uh, the Ewoks. Had some fun there. And then as we drove back on that windy road, we encountered that tunnel there in the mountain, which is always fun, especially if you have kids in the car. Because when the tunnel comes, what do you do? Everybody hold your breath. What did you say, some of you? Honk the horn. I also did that too. Yes, you have to honk the horn. Does anybody hold their breath in the tunnel? Anybody with families? Okay. Thank you for not making me feel like a weirdo. Okay. You see that coming. You announce it to the whole car. Everybody hold your breath. Everybody fills their lungs with max capacity, and then we were thrilled and elated as we all gasped for the next breath of air. We all made it as we got to the other side of that tunnel. Now, this recent experience reminded me of when I was a kid. Yes, I was a kid at one point a long time ago. Growing up on the eastern side of the United States in North Carolina, we would travel often on Interstate 40 between North Carolina and Tennessee in an area of the mountains called the Gorge. And there were two tunnels there on that highway. And each time, my family and I would also hold our breath. But we always added another element. Do you know what other element you might add? Susan. Wow, I've never done that one before. What? A hand on the roof of the car. Interesting. Okay, we're going to have to add another one now. We also used to make a wish when we did this. Did anybody else do that? Anybody ever make a I, Wow, we are weird. Okay, there's not one other hand that just came up. Okay, well, my family, we used to make a wish as we also held our breath through the tunnel. I say this to tell you that my wish always was to find the girl of my dreams to marry one day. Even at 10 years of age, for some reason, I had thoughts and dreams already of meeting that special forever person that would one day be my wife. And I imagined her to be hand-selected for me by God and for the two of us to live happily ever after. Genesis chapter 2 tells that story, we talked about it last week, of the very first two humans that were created in the world, which was absolutely perfect at that time. And Dr. Knight last week kicked off our sermon series, this new one entitled Finding Love, and he took us to that passage which shows that God handpicked Eve for Adam, and he designed the two of them to be in perfect harmony and a complete unity in every way that was so perfect. They had nothing to be ashamed of whatsoever there in the garden, there in that very first marriage. Of course, we remember how the story turned sour, and Adam and Eve disobeyed, as we talked about in the children's story this morning. Thank you, Brad. They disobeyed God, and suddenly these two beings in a perfect relationship became ashamed of everything. They were ashamed of being in God's presence. Genesis 3, 7 to 12 reminds us of that story there. Ashamed of being in God's presence. They were ashamed of even each other, yet God steps into a broken situation, and He seeks them out. He comes looking for them in the garden, and when He finds them, He proceeds to give them hope and the promise of a Savior that would come, and He would crush the enemy of love relationships once and for all. But because of the fall, in the meantime, we are all in shame of so many things. We're ashamed of ourselves. We're ashamed of others in our relationships. But even in spite of this vortex of brokenness, we still find ourselves looking for and wanting to experience love like I did when I was a child. We have visions of this love that could be ours a love for the ages we press on through the shame and our quest to find love we still envision a strong and a passionate love because we were built and designed for this song of solomon is where i'd like to go with you this morning in the scriptures such a powerful powerful book because it embodies I believe our desire for this passionate and connected love between a husband and a wife and there's three verses in particular in the song of Solomon I don't know if you're aware that repeat the same thing now anytime scholars see three things or something repeated three ways three times I tell you that's because it's a very important message within the book so I want to take you to these three verses that repeat a warning to the reader, a a warning that's not such in a context of negativity, but one that's more framed in a positive, warning us that we should be ready for love and wait for it when we're ready because it's awesome and it's a powerful force that should be reserved for that relationship that is extra special, one that we are dedicated to for a lifetime. Let me read these verses to you in just one shot. It's Song of Solomon, chapter two, verse seven, verse three, chapter three, verse five, and then chapter eight, verse four, all saying the same thing, daughters of Jerusalem. I charge you by the gazelles and the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Now, chapter 8, verse 4 omits the part that says, by the gazelles and the does of the field, but everything else is exactly the same. Why gazelles, by the way? Well, they were heavily used for and affiliated, uh, they were affiliated with love heavily in the ancient Near East. Bible scholars talk about this threefold positive warning in the context of waiting for that one and only relationship that you are ready and willing and able to have and to live with in a lifetime of a marital relationship. As a matter of fact, the whole book builds on this incredible love, desire between two Individual lovers who are in love and building toward this consummation of their love in marriage. And scholars of all Christian walks have outlined the book this way. Here's their proposed outline to us. The first part of the book is the title, and it's the best of songs. Second part, remember this is building to the crescendo. The lovers yearn for one another, and you hear this language of how much they yearn to be with one another. The shepherdess dreams is right in the middle. Then the lovers yearn again for one another. And then finally, the penultimate is the lovers join in marriage. So Song of Solomon, whether you're aware or not, is a book, therefore, again, that is building towards this passionate love in a marriage context. Now last week we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and I'd like to go back there because 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 12 through 20 talks about this very same thing in the New Testament but more specifically. Whereas Song of Solomon kind of phrases it in the positive, 1 Corinthians 6 does kind of seem to phrase it more in a negative warning. Let's go back there and look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verses 12 through 20, I put it all up on one slide. I don't know if you'll be able to read that or not, but look in your Bible if you'd like. (laughs) Here's what it says. Paul writing to the Corinthians says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say food for the stomach and the stomach for food. So some of us can go astray in that area but he says god will destroy them both the body however now we're getting to what we want to talk about the body however is not meant for sexual immorality but for the lord and the lord for the body by his power god raised the lord talking about jesus christ from the dead and he will raise us also Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. That's a quote from Genesis 2 with Adam and Eve. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. Does the Bible say that we should tiptoe around and make excuses for, or no? Instead, it says to do what? Flee. I bring that up because it's easy to water this down in our minds, because we want what we want, but it says flee from sexual immorality. All other sins and a a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You're bought with a, at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So the New Testament is clear here, but it's more of a negative context trying to put this fence around our actions. Of course, why? To try and safeguard us from our own impetuous desires, which, of course, lead us to so many unfulfilled life experiences when we give in. In warning us to be careful not to sin against our own bodies sexually with someone else, in a love relationship, there is this constant reminder, did you catch it, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, on who we need to unite with more than any other, and that is God. Did you see that? It says, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for who? For the Lord, and the Lord for the body, By his power, he raised Jesus from the dead, and he will raise us also. This is baptism language, straight from Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, that says that Christ was raised by the glory of the Father, and so we also will be raised to walk in a newness of life. Baptism language here. In talking about safeguarding us from sexual sin, it reminds us that our body belongs to God and He is and is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So let me ask you, if our bodies are the temple of God, isn't the Bible calling us to dedicate ourselves first to Him before we allow anyone else into that holy place with us? this is the secret isn't it to finding love god is that great source of love that we are longing for that will lead us to a greater love in every aspect of every relationship that we can imagine having in this lifetime but again we have this shame issue to deal with don't we Ashamed because we have, how many of us fallen? All of us have fallen short of the glory of God in every avenue including love, haven't we? Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, you've heard not to commit adultery, but I tell you, anyone who's lusted after a person has already committed adultery. So because none of us are entering into any relationship blameless, hopefully everyone can find the answer to their shame by uniting themselves to Jesus Christ. Amen? Romans 1.16, I love this. Paul says and exclaims, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to bring salvation to everyone who believes, all those who have fallen in every avenue, including love. It's the power of God to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. You see, any of us who unite with Jesus Christ now have nothing to be ashamed of, do we? Romans chapter 8, verse 1, that's why it says there, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And this, again, is... Unity language of marriage in Christ Jesus. The in Christ motif. This is a marriage connotation. Romans 6, 3 says we are baptized into Christ Jesus. John 17, 23 says I am them and you and me talking to the Father so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus says he is in us as God is in him. This, again, is marriage language and reveals what is necessary to be in complete unity in any of our relationships, especially our love relationship with the spouse. We get caught up about waiting for marriage, to have sex. You saw the title of the sermon today. It probably took you right there. But might I suggest that we should be more worried about whether we are married to God first before uniting with any person? God is waiting for that marriage more than any other because he knows what, that this is what makes all relationships grace relationships where his love works in wonderful ways that we could never expect to see without him. Waiting for marriage, yes, God is waiting. He's waiting for that marriage with you, his beloved child. My wife, Dawn, and I met in Columbia, South Carolina. Here's a picture of us back then. When her brother Chad befriended me when I went to my first assignment, my first church, Columbia First Seventh-day Adventist Church, he befriended me. I had just moved there was a brand new youth pastor, never pastored a day in my life, January 2001. A month or so after getting to know each other, he took me by his sister's house because he needed to pick something up one night. I had no idea he was trying to introduce us. He played it very smooth. I went into the house, and I met Dawn and her nine-year-old son at that time, and immediately knew that just felt comfortable and something just felt right. And although we were both far from perfect, we had something going for us as we entered into a relationship a couple of months later. We both within the past few years, had dedicated our lives to and united our lives to the one who cares for us more than any other, the one who forgives like none other, the one who can empower us both to really love one another. And that was God. So we met that night and ended up dating for 11 months and were married we have been married coming up this january sixth on 20 years and what is so special to me about that relationship and i appreciated so much about it was the first relationship that i had where i didn't have to experience regret and shame for the past mistakes because We both knew going into that relationship that we had given all of that over to God and he truly had forgiven us both, that we were accepted, and he was preparing us for something greater ahead, something that was whole. We haven't been perfect over 20 years together, but I'm so thankful that we have continued to come back before the one who is perfect our loving Heavenly Father, confessing before Him, asking for His strength to continue molding us into His marvelous image. And He has not failed us one day. Not failed us yet. Back to Song of Solomon for a moment. This book about finding passionate love talks about our love with the spouse like it is caring for a vineyard. And our bodies as a vineyard. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, says, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes, that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. God is the only one who can answer this plea, I believe. Especially we who have all ruined our vineyard in some way shape or form satan wants nothing more than to send foxes into our paths to ruin our relationships (coughs) excuse me the idea of premarital sex is exciting i know that because i again once was young at one point But like foxes that can dig up and make a mess of a vineyard, Satan can make a mess of your life and confuse you profoundly through a sexual relationship before marriage. Many times I have spoken on the phone with a young person in difficult situations, perplexed, stressed, trying to navigate a much more complicated life than they had originally anticipated because they were involved in A relationship that included sex before marriage. But Satan's also working within the marriage concept as well to ruin our vineyards, isn't he? Sending foxes in in different ways to wreck our vineyards, whether it be through habitual lust, pornography, even adulterous relationships. Maybe we haven't gone that far with an actual adulterous relationship, but, you know, many might have the vineyard wall still technically intact, but with blossoms that are trampled in the muddy dirt in every other way. God is calling us all to protect our vineyards, our bodies, so that we can present them before our spouse one day in full bloom, full of passion, full of excitement, and without regrets, And ever thankful that he has preserved us and really safeguarded us against ourselves. But let's be honest, people. Let's face it. We are stubborn people, are we not? We are stiff-necked, we are stubborn, and we want what we want. And when we want it, we oftentimes get it, whether it's good for us or not. Amen? Amen. I'm talking about me too. Sex in today's culture has become just really another item on the shopping list, hasn't it? And when we need it, we know where to find it, and we know how to find it cheap, and we know how to find it easy until we need it again. Whether that has anything to do whatsoever with our marital relationship or not. I believe Jesus wants to speak into this culture today, into my culture today, our culture today. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, he speaks loudly and says, Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. How willing are we to commit to him in every degree, in every facet. Do we really trust Him in our quest to find love? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added and given to you as well. I truly believe if we dedicate ourselves to him first, then everything else really will be added to us in abundance. God is waiting for marriage, the one where we say, I do to him for a lifetime commitment. In closing, I want to go back to the story when I found Dawn in that Columbia church where her brother helped us find one another. I wanted nothing more than to whisk her away from all the pain and all the suffering of this world. Why do I say that? Well, she had already been through so much by the time I met her. You see, her dad died when she was a teenager. And why that year that he died she had been in a relationship with uh, her first boyfriend at the public school there and a boyfriend who at the time did not have the best intentions for her life and when her dad died because of that bicycling accident she soon became pregnant thereafter her boyfriend suddenly showed his true colors when he told her to get an abortion, and if she did not, he would never see her again. And she told me later she would cry at night, alone and frightened, feeling shattered by losses in two relationships, her dad and the boyfriend was now gone because she refused that abortion, while facing raising a son alone in an unpredictable world. But God blessed me, this guy, more than I could have ever imagined when I stepped into that Columbia First Seventh-day Adventist Church and got to know this fantastic and gorgeous woman. She was some kind of wonderful, folks, and I knew I wanted to explore how wonderful she really was for a lifetime. So I decided to ask her to marry me, But I wanted to take her on an adventure to get her mind off all that pain and hurt in the past. So we made a plan. And her boss one day, suddenly, unexpectedly, in the middle of a day of work, told her to go home. And she thought, what? This guy was a tough uh, boss to hold them accountable. But she said he told her to go home. And she thought, why? And he said, just trust me, go home. And she said, okay. So she drove home, and there when she got home was a limo. By the way, the limo was supposed to pick her up at work, but it got delayed, and so that's why we had to send her home. (laughs) There was a limo there right in front of the house, and a photographer there to document the experience. Streamers and balloons and rose petals saturated and enveloped all the house inside and out. Two new dresses were in on her bed. Why two? Because I didn't know what dress size she was, and I didn't want that to stop anything. So I just bought two just in case. Wasn't sure. Had a little note there telling her how much I love her and how special that this day could be for both of us. She got dressed quickly, quickly, because let's face it, folks, she didn't need any time at all to look smoking hot. Because she is smoking hot. Very. The limo drove her to a huge lake, the lake in Columbia, the big one, and down to a boat dock where a masked man in a tuxedo helped her get into a boat and whisked her to the middle of the lake to an island where I was waiting dressed in kind of a tux, as you see I rented myself, uh, standing on that island in July in Columbia, South Carolina, in 100-degree weather, with 100% humidity. But the only thing that was melting was my heart, as I could only think about this incredible woman that was about to hopefully take my hand in marriage. While I was waiting, I really wanted a sign that God was with us, that God was there. I wanted to know that he was there and that he was blessing. And so I prayed and I said, God, can you do something? I just, I just want to know that you are blessing us here and with us. And I kid you not, just a few moments later, a fox, a little fox, walked down a long path on that island. I could see him coming from a long way away. He walked all the way down the path and turned the corner and kept on to the path until he sat down as close as that monitor is right there in front of me and sat down and looked at me. And I thought, what? You know, it hit me. How did this little fox get out on this little island in the middle of this huge lake? Of course I tried to pet him. (laughs) And of course he ran away. (laughs) But... The real fox walked around the corner just a couple of moments later, Dawn, looking amazing in that little black dress. Whew! Okay. Came down. I led her to a a carpet there that I rolled out with roses all lining it and walked her down to a chair that was there right in front of a white cross that I constructed that placed right in front of a pretty view of the lake. And sat her down and uh she looked so fine by the way make that blonde hair flowing and she had eyes still has eyes that could pierce through any soul especially mine and make any man's knees weak so i sat her in that chair told her how much i loved her i got on one knee told her i loved her with a love that was not going to fade I asked her to marry me, and I said, I'm doing that in front of the cross because I want you to know I want everything in our life to be done together at the foot of the cross of Christ. And she said yes. And I can tell you I'm even happier today than I was on the day that I became the happiest man alive when she told me that she would marry me. And I tell you all this to say I mean it with all my heart that without Jesus, folks, in our lives and without the power of God leading in every way in our relationship every day, that we would never have made it 20 years. And because of him and because of his forgiveness and because of his mercy and his love, I believe we will make it because I truly believe we can do all things through Christ Who will strengthen us? Folks, God wants nothing more than to be married to each of us in a union of love. And with Him, all of our relationships will be strengthened and so much better equipped to succeed. Finding love is all about finding God, it begins with finding God. Won't you reach for and take His hand? today let's stand together shall we and pray father in heaven we're just so grateful to be a part of this eternal kingdom that you have promised where we can be in perfect unity with you and with each other for the ceaseless ages of eternity And we're grateful that even now in our brokenness and shame that you are promising us we can stand before you unashamed as we find life in our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we're also grateful that you promise you can pour love into all of our hearts to bolster all of our relationships so that we can be in better unity and we can bring more people along with us for that ride of a lifetime. Lord bless the relationships that are not yet even materialized that will be with the lives that are here in this congregation. Lord, prepare men and women to be ready for that commitment and Lord for that uh, just that love that does not fail and that is ready to last a lifetime. Lord, for those marriage relationships that are already here and and maybe for years this morning. Um, been in full effect. I pray that you bless and strengthen them as we look to come closer and closer to you always. Lord, we love you, and thank you that you are love and that you want to share your love forever with us, and we pray it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.